Um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley, and it's good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good overnight from me too. We sound like the two Ronnies sometimes when we do this introduction, don't we? <laughs> I'm trying to vary it. I don't quite know how to make it all sort of more interesting and spontaneous that... Um, our listeners have got, become accustomed to our spontaneity and our creativity and our innovation. And... They have, they have. I, we we owe the listeners. Well, I owe the listeners an apology. I must start with JP. Now I haven't um, told you this before we started recording, but we had some complaints. Oh, several. Not about me, I'm sure. Nope. No, unfortunately, um, <laughs> the MacBook Pro that I was editing our episodes on up till today um was seven years old and was not particularly well as it turns out because it had been chopping and changing our audio during its production and meant that what was uploaded jumped around quite a bit so there was some complaints saying the episode jumped around and it, i checked it wasn't the download and it definitely was you so anyway sad to say it but my old macbook has now been retired and reluctantly I've installed it on my new MacBook uh, Air which is very nice by the way but I didn't want to overwhelm my new MacBook with too much software because I want to keep it as clean as possible. So anyway you are listening to the new podcast edited on a MacBook Air. And so the apology then is that it was all a bit crap or I, no, no, the, 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 the content was good. The production yes. was poor. Shit. Yes. Oh, right. Okay. So um, it sits with me now to make sure that this week I play back the entire episode before it gets uploaded to the various providers. Um, so that's that's basically the, the challenge. So sorry, dear listeners, for any inconvenience of missing out some key points by myself or JB when it jumped around. Do you know what I find? I find that reassuring in some ways. That um, so they are there. You know, <laughs> the they are they, 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 they are they are noticing things. And what's good about it is that they haven't complained about our content yet. No, no, we haven't had one complaint. As far as I know, well, yeah. maybe they have, and we just don't know about it. Well, maybe their complaint is that they stop listening, but we wouldn't know. Yeah. Anyway, so if you want to get in touch with us and tell us how wonderful our production is or indeed content, you can do by globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on our LinkedIn page by searching Global Leadership Podcast, which is creeping up nicely in terms of user numbers. Uh, anyway, JB, what's critical news? How are things with the shed? Ah, yes. Now, we have had some comments about that. I, I don't think it was a complaint as such, but I think people were missing the updates on the shed. Mm. Uh, the the good news is that I've got doors um, on the shed. They look fabulous. I've painted them. Um, there's three of them. Uh, it looks super duper. Have I sent you a picture of my front? You did send me a couple of pictures that look very good. Yeah. Um, so hanging doors is scary. Um, I, I've just it nearly drove me mad putting these things on because you've got to get all the hinges at the right level and uh, anyway I did it I kept going at it and one of the great videos that I found on YouTube um, when you're hanging doors just breathe I swear to God that was the advice breathe and take it slowly just take it slowly don't rush it just nice and slow 
And that was the best advice of all the advice that I found. Just breathe and take it slow. And and so I've got three doors hanging because I actually managed to breathe and take it slowly. So if you're hanging doors, that's my advice to you, breathe. Um, sounds weird, but it worked for me. Secondly, uh, the shed within the shed, uh, I started putting in at the weekend. And so this is my it's it's me trying to do a little bit of uh is it recycling or upcycling i'll never know which one i'm doing but i, I think I it's think, upcycling isn't it i think i've upcycled my shed um so my old shed uh which is considerably smaller than my new shed is now sitting inside the new shed and it's like a little thing in the corner and it's actually really cool it's quite sweet actually it's the old shed looked after uh inside its new mothership and it's really sweet. It's nice. So I put that in. What's um, going to be in there shelves. then? Is it like that's your sound booth or something? <laughs> no. Um, so I'm putting. Oops, sorry. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I'm, I'm putting all all my files and uh, accounts and all my old stuff. You know, admin and stuff like that. So that all gets put in the shed, inside the shed. Exciting. Yeah, so that's yeah. I had a really, really big push on shed. Uh, it's decorated. Uh, it's got its lighting in. It's got the shed within the shed. Sh shelves go in this week. I'm doing big, big shelving for all my books. I'm going to have this intellectual wall, the intellect wall. It's called. Um, and so are these? Are these the? Is it, is this the wall that appears on most people that are interviewed by BBC Newsnight in the UK? And they've always got this shelf of knowledge behind them that's exactly it so right. um okay. all my poor man oh, oh sorry all my um <laughs> all my books my learned books and uh i don't know some of my kind of weird shit will go on the, on that intellectual wall um and then i will look at the camera and pretend to be really intellectual at the moment dear listeners behind mr bradley is of course the art of him um on his left hand side and then to his right-hand shoulder, I can see the backdrop of his window shutters. Bearing in mind, it's uh, the morning as we record this. Um, so, you know, just, be, you know, sunrise is, is, is happening. But he's got the lamp on and the shutters shut. Uh, and seems to be nice and cosy with his little cardigan. So, yeah. It's a cosy setup. And the reason I've got the shutters shut is that next door, uh, they're doing scaffolding. Uh, over the next door house and it's making a hell of a noise so i thought if i shut the shutters it might mitigate it a tad anyway enough about my world tell me all about your world and because i think you're in midair yes building something that's not been built before um so personally um uh some big changes and um so miss J jb knows of this because he's a long-term friend uh, long-term colleague actually scarily um we've been and, and friend i, I like yeah. the friend bit yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that you put it that order actually good, good good well anyway so jb knows as my friend there's been something that i've been wanting to tell the listeners for a while now but here is the right time to tell it because critically my team that work for me in my current employer are now aware um, and therefore it's okay for me to talk to the listeners about it but i am very excited to say that i am leaving my current or sad to see me going leaving my current employer but going into a new venture with um, some co-founders and some investors 
um, launching a brand new business to the world, which we're very excited about. And um, so, yes, so that is official now. I leave my role in the end of the year. So we've got a few weeks yet, 10 weeks of me um, um, having to show me being very responsible as a good corporate citizen before the new role starts. But over the coming weeks, I'm probably going to talk more about the new role than than the old role. But of course, um, I've not been able to say anything because I didn't want to, you know, I'm confident that some of my staff, colleagues, employees listen to this podcast. And incidentally, some new employees that will be working for us in our new organization will also be listeners to this podcast. So to those that are going, good luck, screw you. And to the new ones, hi, mm. no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, it's, so it's, it's a mixture of emotions, JB, as I say this today. Well, I'm massively excited for you, for what you're doing. And we're, we're going to be talking about a little metaphor about building a plane while you're flying it. And I, I just think that you are a very, very brave man to be doing what you're doing. And that doesn't mean that you're daft. I think that you're absolutely <laughs> on it um, in the the business that you've chosen to to pursue and i and I'm, I'm well i'm i'm i know that i'm going to be you know involved in it uh i am involved in it and it's going to be a very very exciting journey for you and i i'm just very very happy to be on the plane with you uh building those wings indeed sticking sticking the glue into little crevices and areas that they probably need to go into fast and midair tying the wing back onto the plane as it's drifted off the side <laughs> yes but we, we we i think you'll be putting lots of seats in the plane because you're going to be putting lots of people uh into it into your business and yes. um, you're going to be employing some people which is great uh, as people actually get made redundant or they don't have opportunities um i i think that you're going to be creating some fabulous opportunities for people which is which is brilliant and and very exciting yeah it's it's a, it's a, it's i mean look jb knows this is so look for those of you that um, um I, i'm not going to name the company today because i think it's that this is a podcast but i think for the listeners this is going to be an interesting journey because, of course, I'm a leader founding a new company with some other people. Uh, and um, all the things that we talk about on this podcast will now be very personal to me to make sure that I know focus value. I create a vision. I campaign that vision to our clients as our, and our people. Um, but anyway, it is ultimately a bit of a game changing um, market disrupting offering for the learning space. Um, in that live virtual interactive learning exists but it doesn't exist in the way that we do it which is going to be a subscription model um, where um, our clients have unlimited access to all of the curriculum they can pick and choose what they make available to their employees but ultimately instead of having to pay for seats um, per webinar they have an unlimited access service to it so we're quite excited about the opportunity um, and hopefully some of our listeners listening to this in months time actually are listening back to this episode now becoming a customer so for those of you listening um, please keep spending <laughs> your pockets um, so uh, well good luck and thank you good luck with that uh, I'll be right behind you indeed indeed but obviously matter in hand now me and JB must move on to the subjects that are close to our listeners mind in that we have one question this week 
and we have two articles i believe to chew the fat over um, we do indeed i think i went first last week so would you like to go first this week mr bradley I, I shall go first if you like and we've already used a little bit of what i chose to talk about and i i really like this metaphor and I, I know you use it quite a lot mm. and you know it, it i don't know maybe it's maybe it's been overused I, I i don't think so i think it's a really clever metaphor and, and i was looking for it the other day i was, I was doing a bit of a search uh, for, for really good metaphors for some work i'm doing Anyway, um, I like this metaphor, so I did a Google search and I found it in the Christian Science Monitor of all places. And something I've never actually gone anywhere near before, uh, but this article was very interesting. And it's by a person called Ruth Walker. It was written a while ago, but uh, in, in some ways that makes it even more interesting to me. Um, and she she had a look uh, at why this nonsensical idiom beloved in Silicon Valley has caught on um, so well among the rest of us. And it is build the plane while you're flying it. And I think this has all sorts of uh, useful uh, connotations for our time. And the reason I chose this, Anne, was because of what you're doing. And a lot of people are so fearful of going into something like what you're doing, you know, taking that risk, uh, going with not all of the information available at the time. You know, you probably got 50, 60% um information knowledge about what you you can't anticipate everything you can't you can't plan for everything that's going to happen over the next 6 to 12 months but you can you can you can have a you can have a go you can, you can't guarantee how it's going to pan out um and there's a there's a a couple of lines in here which i which i really liked um which is in Silicon Valley, the idea is the sort of uh, the iterative process, um, which is that you ship it and you fix it and you ship it again. Um, and of course, in Silicon Valley with technology, that kind of makes sense. And actually, you and I were struggling with our Apple stuff this morning, yeah. trying to get FaceTime to work and everything else. And I'm sure this is some sort of bug or something that's going on that they'll be sending an update to to resolve any minute now. But you know that's Apple. Uh, Apple Apple has never been uh, perfect. It's fantastic stuff. It's brilliant kit. Uh, but it's a it's an iterative process. Um, I, I think this is also kind of linked to this idea of uh, perfectionism. And how how many great people great. Uh, ideas people are held back because they want their idea to be so perfected uh, before they launch it that they can never launch it. It never happens. And I wonder how many business, how many people, how many companies, how many organizations we don't have uh, because the leaders were perfectionist and they, they couldn't bear the idea of launching uh, with something that wasn't quite ready yet. So, um, 
this is the, in a way this is a little bit of a homage to you to um just say fair play you know you're you're going out there with a fantastic concept a fantastic idea but you know it's not perfect um you know and i hope i'm not saying the wrong thing there but you know it is it is a, a it takes guts i think sometimes to put something in place to make something happen when you don't have all the stuff you know it's an iterative process we've got it's good enough it's good enough and it's we're going to get it out there and perfect it as we go i think there is um, a lot to be said with that and, and i do think there's some connections to the next article which i've brought to the table today um but 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 jb's right i think the whole concept behind building a plane as we're flying it is the reality that the plane can't land it has nowhere to land we're over the sea and if we land it it falls over or it, it or the passengers on board end up in quite a lot of trouble um so and, and equally we don't often have time to spend an awful lot of time with r d because the world of plane technology i'm taking this uh plane metaphor to an even further <laughs> strand um we, we we can't fund the plane being built any further until it's making money. And the only way for us to make money is to put it in the sky. So I think with a lot of this, um, I think for, for, for leaders listening to this, I think the metaphor quite excites people as well. We're building a plane mid-flight. Um, and actually, mm. you know, the fact we're all on this plane as passengers, as well as engineers to enhance the performance of this plane and make these enhancements should make them understand that this could be life or death if we have to land this plane or it crashes there's a problem um, and there may well be organized stops by the way so um i when i've talked about building a plane mid-flight before which is what we did at my current or my outgoing employer um is the fact that two weeks a year we can land the plane for maintenance um you know we will have an off-site um, where we all get together and think about the strategy without having to worry about the fact that the you know there that, that things are going on we, we you know we can actually have no one in the cockpit for a couple of days so you can land the plane occasionally but the whole concept is that this plane needs to fly to make money and therefore it doesn't get much downtime those um you know airbus 380s the longer they're on the ground they're losing as money so they have to be in the sky and therefore we either have to do very frequent short um, stops where we quickly can do the maintenance and change it or do we do what we're talking about here which is building the plane mid-flight but I certainly subscribe to it and you're right JB what we're about to do is have the plane taking off pretty soon um, and most of the parts are there but if we waited for perfection there'd be a Concorde very quickly outspeeding us. Absolutely and um, in the article there is embedded in it a link uh, and it's called 2000 Commercial, uh, and it's from uh, a company that was called EDS. It's now part of uh, Hewlett-Packard. And that video, uh, the 2000 Commercial for EDS, is superb. Uh, it's got everybody working on the plane and they're strapping people in, <laughs> they're putting the windows in, they're putting the chairs in, and they're just talking to camera and just, you know, hey, wow, I love my job. And, you know, they're getting on with screwing bits in and bolting the thing together. And and, it, and it's fabulous. It's a really, really, I've never seen that video before. No. So if you, if you wanted to, um, you know, get a whole load of people together in a room um, and actually just see this metaphor, 
in action. It is superb. It's absolutely brilliant. So I've stored it because I, I think it's a lovely, uh, a lovely video. Uh, it's an ad, but it's superb. The one thing I also like about building a plane mid-flight is that whilst there may be a captain, which could be listeners to this podcast, the captain has to demonstrate that when we are building a plane mid-flight, every person on board this plane is critical to the success of this plane staying in the sky. And I think yeah. that that can allow you to really play on it. Um, so as a metaphor, I love it. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought it to the table today, Mr. Bradley. Thank you very much. Perhaps play that commercial ant when you get a chance because it's really good. And I think for your for your team and what you're doing, I think it could be quite quite fun. It, so we we um, obviously I don't start to January, but some of my co-founders have already began the project, and maybe they've not used this metaphor, but I am pretty confident from talking to them when I do that the appeal for lots of people to join our company is not so much about the fact that it's a job. It's the fact that they're getting to build it from the ground up with us. Um, and there is a degree of risk, but like you say, the concept is strong and the vision is, is very clear. And I think, um, if people, here's the thing when people if you're talking to your people today about getting on a plane and we're going to be making some changes to it mid-flight you got to excite them about that otherwise they're just not going to want to get off the ground they're going to stay on the tarmac so it's your job as a leader to to really help people understand why this plane is bloody amazing it may not have the destination perfectly formed but do you know what what you've got to do therefore is sell the fact that the rest of the people on the plane are worth the risk and actually my god we're going to learn some stuff along the way we're going to have some fun there's probably going to be some turbulence we might have to make a few detours and by the way the destination could end up being somewhere completely different so it's we a thought, moving target yeah it's a moving target it's 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 very it's a great metaphor i love it um, in leadership um building a plane mid-flight um there we go there we have it um, now you had a little something which uh, when you popped this through to me uh, I thought how brilliant that these two are I don't know how we do it Every but week. actually these are hugely connected they are so this week's article I submit to you Mr Bradley is one from the Harvard Business Review by a gentleman called Walt Reykjavich, um written in the last couple of weeks and it's all about CEOs not letting their fear and paranoia sink their leadership capability. So essentially, no, I mean, I think the headline almost sums up really what the article is all about. But I think we can all remember, well, I certainly can remember good and bad CEOs that I've worked for and with. And some of them are lovely people, but seem to be debilitated to be seen to be making a decision um or giving clarity of what we're looking to do or even a vision that we can rally around and um i i i talk of a ceo that i've worked with recently um who talks about i'm paid to be confident on the outside and anxious on the inside hmm. and i think that's a that's a really interesting kind of concept but effectively what this article goes through is um when uh, a consultant's interviewed a number of different CEOs and most of them talk about their deep-seated fears about being incompetent, vulnerable, foolish, uh, underachieving, um, or they become under political attack by their colleagues. And um, this article effectively gives some ideas and thinking about how 
CEOs reading this article may be able to mitigate that fear and paranoia on the outside, damaging their credibility as a leader. Um, so the three things are um, get out the C-suite. Second one is uh, to trust your colleagues more than you think is wise. And the third is to guess what? No focus value people as they deserve it. So the C-suite thing, actually really simple um, to try and have lunch or a coffee virtually if you're stuck with COVID right now um, with a non-executive employee every week. Um, you know, to find out a bit about them, um, their guilty pleasures, um, what excites them about life, uh, essentially giving them a voice to you. Um, and, you know, it allows you to keep grounded. Uh, but of course, um, non-executive employees um, don't stimulate employer. <laughs> Sorry, a paranoia. Second one, trust your colleagues more than they think is wise. Uh, do you know what? I, I think there is CEOs that I know that when they're debilitated to make decisions, it's because they don't allow others to take decisions themselves and own the accountability of that decision. So therefore, I'm getting an increasing number of decisions on my shoulders that I have to take ownership for, and therefore I have to think them through for all the different eventualities, which means once that decision has been made by me, the dependency on me to help deliver it is even greater, and all of a sudden I'm I'm drowning in, in bureaucracy related to that decision I refuse to give others the ability to do. So I totally agree with that one. And I do sense, and we've talked about this before, JB, there is a huge risk of burnout of leaders that do not empower others to take decisions for themselves. Yes, they may get it wrong, but as so long as they either have your back or understand the risks of making the wrong decision, then that's fine. The third one, hey, no surprise, um, rarely does it backfire when if you give people attention and make them feel valued and focused and known, they deliver for you. So for me, this article, really good one, but to JB's point where it sinks in lovelily, if that's a word, to our building a plane mid-flight, I suspect the leaders that do not build a plane mid-flight are the ones that are debilitated by their inability to make decisions or paranoia or lack of confidence. There you go. What I liked about Walt and his article was, I mean, he, he comes across to me as a very honest person about his own experience of running a, a business. Uh, the second time he went back into it, he got invited back in to run the business, uh, having having left it. And it was in danger of going bankrupt, uh, the business. And he was in a meeting when they kind of did the numbers and just realized that their growth as a business had concealed the fact that they were in serious trouble. And he left the room and went to another room uh, because he didn't really know what to say or what to do. And the fear got the better of him. And actually he went off to this other room and fainted. Um, and I guess it must've been a bit of a panic attack or something. And he just sat down um, in that room for a while and just kind of thought, shit, I, don't, I really don't know what to do. So ultimately he went back into the room with all of these execs uh, that he thought were waiting for, you know, the, the, the divine providence, the, the, the moment where, you know, the moment of truth, he could say, we've got to do this. This is the way we're going to do it. And he said, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And there was this sort of silence and it was like, oh my God. I, this is this is so screwed now 
Uh, but then I think it was the CFO um, said, we're, we're, we've got your back. We're right behind you. We're going to get ourselves out of this. We're, we're going to make this work. And they all started um, chirping up. You know, we, we're going to get behind you. And for him, this was a turning point in his um, leadership for him. Uh, he, he put in a lot of credit into the emotional bank account into the trust bank account with these people. You know, he clearly is a very successful businessman. Um, and he's there's a lot of trust, a lot of trust in in him. And and probably even more so that he just, you know, probably would have looked a bit shaken, probably a bit pale, and just said, uh, guys, I don't I don't know what to do. I and, and I think it's a fabulous it's a fabulous story um about that transition of responsibility um in that moment to everybody else i i am just the leader I, I i that's all i am i'm just the leader here um and to to let go uh to let the others get involved and start building that plane in midair and i and i think that's where these two things connect really really i nearly said collide and i thought it's not that's not good not, for the not, not with the mid-flight one, eh? <laughs> um, so I I think there's there's all of those sort of ideas about perfectionism, and you know, don't let perfectionism get in the way of a really brilliant idea. Um, get a get high levels of trust uh, into your relationship with your people, and yes, sometimes, and he admits this. Well, you know, uh, along the way, he got burnt a few times when he trusted people. Um, but it's better, it's better to demonstrate trust, to show trust, give people their heads, give them that trust. Uh, and yes, you will get hurt a few times. And yes, people will say, how can you trust that guy? How can, how can you possibly trust him? He, I give him my trust. I give him my trust. Um, and, you know, then, then, you know, sometimes people will let you down. But I, we, we've worked with a guy uh, called William Rogers, uh, who used to run UKRD Group. And you couldn't find uh, a, a better example of that, you know, where he was let down now and again by people that he trusted massively. And, you know, it was like, crikey, how, William, how can he bear this? Um, but it was his way of doing business to to give people trust, to, to earn their respect, to earn their trust. The vast majority of people, from my own experience of working with his company, uh, the vast majority actually thrived in that environment really, really well. And it was a very successful uh, company and beautifully led uh, and that trust actually just cascaded through uh, the management through the people uh, good values very clear values and so on well you've just stopped <laughs> i was Ooh. i was i was taken away in a daydream there ba based on what you were saying really um and i think if the culture is right, there was a quote I saw last week, which is what's the bravest thing. It was like direct reports to leader. And the quote was the, the, the direct report said, boss, what's the bravest thing you ever said? And the boss's response was help. Yeah. yeah As in help question mark. Um, yeah. Help. 
So, yeah. and I, and I think, and, and it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I, I when you first talked about this incident with this author of this article, um, and um, him not knowing what to do, but then everyone rallying around him, saying, "Or oh, uh, we've got your back." Um, when was the last time a leader said to their people, "I don't know what to do"? Um, mm. And maybe they did, but actually they want to empower others. So, do you know what? I, you tell me. I don't know. Um, and and maybe maybe that is a lesson for us all. Actually, for again, this whole uh, this exhaustion of having to do everything for everybody. I um I I worked for a guy uh, called Steve Orchard, and you'll remember Steve. I remember I think. Steve. I tagged him, and because we mentioned him in a previous episode, I tagged him, and he never yeah. never followed us. Oh. Rude Steve. Anyway, I um, Steve was brilliant, and he he had a, a a fabulous sort of way of of making light of things, even when it was you know, oh, this isn't good. And he, he, there's a health warning here. I'm going to use swear words. And he, if if someone said, well, you know, oh, this is terrible, uh, Steve. What do you what do you what do you think? How are you going to get out of this? Um, he'd he'd say fucked if I know, <laughs> and that was it. And we'd all laugh because it was just the, all he did it a lot. It's like fucked if I know. It's like you're you're supposed to know what to do here. You know, if I'm a, I'm just leading this. I'm fucked if I know, and we'd all laugh. And then we then we'd start you know rebuilding the plane. <laughs> yeah, he's still in the industry, which is just he? brilliant. He, he works in uh, K- yeah. KMFM, isn't it? Is that right? He's uh, managing I director of that, I think. I, I think he's chairman of a, a radio group, I think, somewhere, oh, okay. somewhere along the line. Yes, yeah. he was one of my first operations directors, I think, when I started in the commercial arm of GWR Group, which is now global. Um, yeah, I loved him. He was brilliant. He was a really, really good, good guy. Um, and I'd say a good friend, actually. Yeah. Uh, haven't seen him for years. Uh, <laughs> but a good friend. <laughs> but a good friend. Well, it's hard, isn't it? You know, when you know all these people, it's hard to keep up with everybody. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I find. Yeah, I Particularly totally when you're agree. building a bloody shed, you know, you just go sort of bear-like into the garden and disappear. This and... is true. You're building a shed, I'm building a plane. <laughs> you're building an empire. <laughs> well, we are in some respects. Yeah. Um, anyway, there you go. So um, there, there is the articles for this week. We do have a listener question, I'm pleased to tell you. We have Yay! one question. It's quite a doozy, and I, I'll be honest, um, I'm reading this for the first time as you're hearing it, and therefore we may need a moment to reflect. It's quite a deep one. Um, it doesn't. It isn't marked as anonymous, so I hope I don't get in trouble, but this is from a lady called Colette, based in the UK. And the question is a bit of a statement followed by a question, which is... Um, I, um, I work in the leisure sector, um, and we are exhausted. Um, we are out of control of the decisions we're making for our business and things do not seem to be getting any better i have people that love working for us and me and i feel i'm powerless to help them how do i inspire them now told you it was a deep one um and i guess for some context to give jb a moment to reflect um at time of recording we are possibly on the verge of further restrictions on the leisure sector this was sent two days ago to us, um, and I think it's been muted that there is a potential of shutting more bars and restaurants in Scotland. It's already happened. I know in parts of Europe it's also happened. Um, and, of course, I think a lot of us have said before, if there is a second lockdown, it will be the end for many businesses that are literally clinging on by a thread. 
And there was an announcement by the UK government last Wednesday, Thursday, that they would um, support businesses forced to close. You kind of know that's a prequel to we're going to close stuff again. Um, and that two thirds is, is going to put employees on the poverty line in many cases and employers that want to do the right thing to subsidise the other third um, in financial distress themselves. Um, but anyway, so imagine if you will, JB, we are Colette. We have a bank of employees that are probably not, um, you know, love working for us, but are on the verge of, I guess, collapse. How do we inspire them? Well, my goodness, um, it's it's hard, isn't it? And and also, we don't know uh, what part of the leisure sector this uh, lady works in. No. Um, but the I think being being honest uh, is a very very important part of a leader's role in all of this, and being as honest as you possibly can be, um, and that means sometimes there are things that I cannot tell you, and I'm going to be honest about that. But when I can, I will. And I I think you know trust trust around that honesty and she obviously has a a good and fabulous relationship with her people already um so you know keep keep that high level of trust going there is no going back to normal in an industry like yours i don't think uh, i think a lot of a lot of lot of areas of 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 corporate life um work life there's there's just no chance really of going back to normal going back to normal i don't think there is uh, a new normal that we can have on our horizon you know people keep talking about we you know we need to find a new normal i don't think there is a new normal even i think that i think no. it, we could end up with loads of false dawns so you you then you know you just come to that well, what the hell have we got here well we've got no normal conditions and in the no normal conditions, you know, with the team and what we have left of our team, uh, we we need to prepare ourselves for this no normal world. We we need to 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 thrive in it. Actually, uh, we we've got to to be honest about what that looks like, and that is about our capability is king. It is our readiness for any eventuality, and we might be in the shit, guys, but we need to build our team and build our capability and our way of dealing with these things that keep coming at us that we have no control over we cannot control all of these things but what we can control is our ability to respond um, and to rehearse the way that we're going to respond to all of these different things um, to develop our agility to entrust to trust our colleagues uh, to show that, to keep working on it, to communicate, to collaborate, to uh, be really tight, uh, really efficient. Keep talking, keep keep communicating. Um, show, get everyone to to keep doing the caring thing. Keep caring. Keep showing that you care. Uh, that you know, if these people work remotely, remotely, the casual collisions. Uh, you know, making sure that we just kind of accident. Oh, I just wanted to phone up. How did you get on with blah blah? Um, I, 
I think it's it, it, to to make it all about objectives and tasks now uh, for the new normal that we're going for. I I I keep hearing people kind of going down that route, and I'm thinking, crikey, I think you need to build up your capability to deal with no normal, a no normal world, and that. I don't know whether this is helping at all, but I, I think it's about focusing on your agility, your capability to deal with a no normal world. In fact, to go further than that, you need to thrive in it. Uh, in in this role, uh, the people working for you, they they need to have that capability to go on wherever they go. So use this time as effectively as you can to build up that resilience uh, for the no normal world that we are now in. Has that made any sense? It has. It has. It's off the hoof. And, and, and I like it a lot. I, I, um, I sat listening to you there trying to work out all the different leisure sector <laughs> yeah, um, that, 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 that Colette may be um, in. But I, I have to agree with you. I think JB sums it up perfectly. Essentially, you need to create a vision around what you can control and um talk about the things you can't in a way that says we were in this together um you know so what can we control is us as a group of people um and what we want to do to be ready when we do think when they do allow us to switch back on the lights um and in the meantime whilst we can't we have each other um and do you know what? It may be down to a community spirit as opposed to business acumen here, you know, it's, it's because if the business can't afford to pay the wages and the government having to, to, to bail it out, it's through no fault of your own. And it doesn't um, show bad leadership that the company can no longer support people when the doors are shut. It, you know, it, 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 it's like so many people we see right now are out of a job through no fault of their own, literally. Um, you know, so um, we have to show empathy. So empathy for me is one, two, a vision around what we can control, which is readiness to return, perhaps, and yeah. um, uh, and being acknowledge the elephant of the room that there's so much that we can't control right now, but we will stick through this together. I think that's probably the thing I would do, um, and I guess. Um, the frequent communication to that effect, I think, would be probably my guidance. What a deep question, Mr. Bradley. Really, really, for our time, that question. You know, mm. that um, uh, that that is a is a an absolute perfect example uh, of what's going on in the world right now. So many people in in that in that position. Um, and you know, I well, I, I I hope that's been useful for you. And uh, do, I, I, again, you know, we're really interested in you coming back and and actually just talking to us, and you know, so that we can share your your story about how you how you have actually managed it, and you know how you are inspiring your team and what's going on. It would love honestly, it would be lovely to hear back from you. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, um, yeah, I agree. Do you know what? This is. The, I don't think it's the first time, is it? We've begged for um, acknowledgement of our answer. So, or, or begged for forgiveness. Yeah. In your case, with yeah. all your swearing. In fact, actually, I think on the swear counter today, I have nil, and I think. And yeah, that is true. But I did. I did ask permission. You, but you did um, one at the beginning without permission. 
think, did I really? I think you dropped an S bomb. I'm not. I'm gonna have to play it back anyway, aren't I? Because of um, yeah, just checking yeah. out this new MacBook. Um, yeah. Anyway, if you do have a question, listeners, all you need to do is email globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com. That's globalleadershippodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media such as LinkedIn or uh, Twitter. Lead Learn Pod is the Twitter and um, Global Leadership Podcast um, is what you need to look for on the LinkedIn pages. Um, and there you go. Um, we do value your questions. But as JB says, we also value your opinions and tell us what is um working what's not working and also tell us if you've answered had a question answered by us in the past how you dealt with that answer and actually if you're a listener that's listened to some of these answers and thought actually that question is relevant to me too tell us how you adopted it that would be nice and we'll read out some of those anonymously if that helps um globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com is the email address to send them to and we mean jb try and log in and if I get a, a really good one, I tend to send it to JB on WhatsApp saying, here's a good one for next week and stuff like that. Um, what are your what, what are your plans for the coming week, month, few days? Well, um, I am. This is a big week for me. Uh, very, very potentially. I hope it's bloody going to be a big week for me this week. My eldest daughter. Is giving birth oh yes to her baby <laughs> i hope it's a baby <laughs> <laughs> it's a dinosaur. i hesitated there for a second yeah. i don't know why uh why would i do that uh anyway so that is due to happen this week so i'm on tent hooks and i'm not one of these people that is frightened of being a grandparent i'm actually i'm quite excited people say oh i don't want to be a granddad i don't want to be a granny and you know just i'm too young i'm thinking well there's nothing more exciting for me than to know that that little baby that I held in my arms not so long ago is now going to be doing the same. And then hopefully handing that little baby from my little baby to me. And I'm going to hold it. And it, I, if I just will be taking lots of hankies, if I do get the opportunity to see um, mm. my daughter and her baby, I because I, I don't know what's happening with lockdown stuff and so on. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big thing this week. Um, putting, putting my shelves up and putting my books in my shed, uh, is, is happening this week. Um, I'm writing some, um, training content, um, and feeling a little bit creative. Um, I'm, I'm feeling a bit inspired. So I, I'm going to write some stuff this week. Um, and yeah um yeah mixture of shed and writing and babies and uh what else that's about it actually what about you ant well you've you've got to start flying your plane yeah we're gonna be um um, in amongst the day job uh we'll be also getting the chocks away (laughs) from the undercarriage of the plane so it can start taxiing to the runway um lumber this big machine towards the end ready to thrust the jets up is the best way i'd probably describe it that's that in amongst um dealing with the joys of three children at home and another daughter who is not at home um so that will be the pleasures that be but yes thank you for asking jb um i think that reaches reaches our natural conclusion for the today's episode of global leadership podcast 
I think it. I think it does. Uh, it's been overwhelmingly exciting for me uh, to see your face again this week. Uh, absolutely lovely, and uh, I think our beards are now probably looking pretty similar. Um, yours is trimmed very nicely around the edges, yeah. um, and I'm getting the hang of mine. In fact, I might go to the barber this week. I might fit that in. Treat yourself. Uh, I've got a lovely barber down here, and he does all the hot flannels and all the business, and it's really nice. So I'm going to go and get that done. Nice. Yeah, get down there again. Let's hope they're not impacted. I suspect they're not because you don't. I think. It, yeah. Anyway, let's not speculate. But, and of course, by the way, before we go, we um, in last week's episode we talked about um, Trump and his illness and we didn't want to speculate too much in case but i think you said you called it didn't you that uh um he will probably bounce back and all sorts of mm-hmm. like and i i yeah i thought it'd be a wake-up call for him to be a bit more human about it without being too political but there you go mm, good luck with that mm. anyway um i've been anthony price and i've been jonathan bradley and you've joined us uh, at the mile high club Uh, where we've been thrusting our jets up.